Hello, I'm Jackson Short. And I'm Carlos Garcia Leon. And today we are reverting back to kindergarten because we're coloring outside the line. Let's be artful. Hi, Carlos. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. How's your week? It was exciting, I guess. This week's more exciting. Lots of lots of free time for me. And yeah, us. we don't have classes this week. I know, exciting. But today, let me introduce everyone to a good friend of mine who's made me feel at home in Cincinnati, Felipe. Hi, Hi Felipe. Thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, I don't know Felipe as well as Carlos does. Um, so, who are you? <laughs> Why are you here? <laughs> so, my name is Felipe <laughs> Morales-Torres, and I'm a music educator. I teach orchestra, and I work for the Cincinnati Symphony Youth Orchestras and the Louisville Youth Orchestras. Awesome. Look at you. You're so successful. <laughs> <laughs> Trying. Uh, where are you studying? I'm completing my master's at, at CCM, oh, the University of Cincinnati. Okay. There we go. And you also did your bachelor's. I did my bachelor's there, yeah. In an exciting instrument, too. On the bassoon. I know. Uh, where are you originally from? <laughs> I grew up in Miami, Florida, and oh, then great. came up to Ohio uh, partway through high school, ended up here in Cincinnati for college, and I stayed because it's such a great place. It is a great place. And I want to stay here after graduating, too. I would like to as well. I'm staying here for the summer, I think, maybe, possibly. Still trying to figure that out. Yeah, I don't know when we summer plans. Yeah. But if I find a job, I'll stay. And good. if I don't find a job, I won't. <laughs> okay. <out>. Also good. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave. Since today we're discussing huge things, um, I well, I guess we come back to it. We can talk about what we saw. Yeah. Which isn't much th- last, last week just because we've been busy as always. Yeah. But with, th- with this week, with this next week, we may be able to see a little bit more. Yeah. But I saw a world premiere. Oh. <gasps> Which was exciting. Excellent. Did you know about Be Here Now at Playhouse? No. It was well. Neither did I. I actually, when I got there, I, I was I was went to the box office and I said, I think I have tickets under redacted name, and they're like, What show are you looking for? And I like, just stood there. I like had no idea what the show was. I had like <laughs> totally forgotten. And I think I was like, I think it's Be Here Now, but I just thought that was such a weird title that I <laughs> I was just lost. Were they, anyway. just, were, were they just like, well, you are. You are here now. You know, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> like, that was the answer I was expecting. But they were like, no, that show is be here now. Anyway, so I, I got myself the tickets and everything. But um, I didn't know it was the world premiere. Oh, um, okay. I, like, sat there, and then the um, I think it was the executive director, some top-notch and upper management in Playhouse, went to the – just stood on stage and was like, welcome. Then he sort of like – Thank you for our sponsors, blah, 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 as you do in a world premiere. And then he's like, this is a world premiere. You're the first audience. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Did that change how you <laughs> viewed it after? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I think the only thing that might have changed was the fact that the playwright was sitting right behind me. <laughs> <laughs> and I wow. Was like, <laughs> so, so she was going off <laughs> your reactions. She yeah no I don't know she was like just looking oh, and no, she, she was all the way in the back she, <laughs> she was like looking at everyone I hope I mean I didn't see her again really literally right in the back of me the guy at the top he's like and thanks so much for a playwright who's like points at her and I'm like oh like can't see like I do like do a three sixty and actually see her um, you like make eye contact <laughs> <laughs> yeah I was like like, like I hope this is good <laughs> <laughs> I was more like please don't like judge me because I have a kind of obnoxious laugh. <laughs> Um, but luckily um i was in the most obnoxious laughter in that room that time well that's good um no but we are in cincinnati yeah and we're a bunch of theater i mean in a room full of theater people so yeah true 
no offense, Cedar people. Just so do you think it would have been uh, different if they would have said, hey, you just saw a world premiere? Uh, would, it, would it have changed what you saw, kind of going off what you asked? Would it have changed if they would have said it afterwards rather than before it? Mm. That's a good question. I don't think so. I think the story, because I wasn't looking at it as in, um, like, what can change? Like, mm. I wasn't looking at it. like You weren't evaluating it. Exactly. Necessarily. In the sense yeah. of, like, what needs to change for, like, later productions or something like that. I was just like, here's, well, that's the, good. here's the product. Um, having the play behind me made me remember that, like, the plays itself are, like, adaptable and can change. Like, yeah. lines are not solid. Because, I mean, so I totally had forgotten that was a thing. Like, for Shakespeare, you're mm -hmm. just, like, you can eliminate lines yeah. or, like, passage, but you can't, like, edit the lines. Yeah, true. Because it's all, like in the rhythm but mm -hmm. for these kind of things i was just like oh you can like edit that line to sound something else or like completely add like five more minutes of this scene and I, I right totally and that's the beauty of doing new works so that those people are alive yeah and can respond to how it goes and the new yeah. story is being told which i mean I, I mean uh if anyone listening would like to see another uh perspective you went with carmen yeah who we had last week as our guest yeah and she actually is our first artful thought on our website uh she wrote uh her experience about uh what she thought of the play um and uh was also able to name a few people that were directly responsible for the production um it's wonderful if you want to go check it out we'll yeah. link to it in the description yeah I, I like to call it it was this very beautiful humanistic story with like and a perfect amount of humor that l didn't like completely depress you, mm -hmm. um, but it was it was really beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and apparently the playwright was like part of the whole process throughout here, which is apparently super rare. Really. You know, because mm. like they write the thing and then like if they're if they if they're not able to be in the city, then they like can't work through the process. Right. Uh, but it kind of reminded me of how um, like composition. Like with new works in composition, that the composer like is sometimes part of the process too. Right, like the the actual rehearsing premiering process. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. as they're going through the rehearsals, they're constantly tweaking, constantly asking the musicians what is possible, what's not possible. Mm -hmm. I know as a percussionist, our parts get changed a lot um, because they're like, "Oh, you can't hold seven sticks." Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, th I mean, it's always a fun process, and I'm I'm glad that. I, I know that when you're workshopping a show, that normally happens, but I've never heard that done specifically for the first performance. Um, I may be wrong, but yeah. we'll have to ask Carmen. Yeah, Carmen said that there's she's worked in horror kind of scenarios where like they change lines until like the day of the premiere. Oh, and geez. you're like, oh, okay, well that's fine, totally cool. I can handle it. Whatever. <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but we also then went to go see another thing the next day. Yes, um, we went to go see La Valse at the CSO. Um, Felipe, you went to go see that Friday night? I actually was really sick <gasps> and didn't make no. it. Mm -hmm. so well, sorry. you missed out the best concert you'd never see. I know, right? It I, was a beautiful <laughs> program. It was amazing. <laughs> that's what I tell anyone who like missed my concerts or like any concert. You just like miss the most beautiful thing you'll never see. Mm -hmm. It makes them feel really bad. <laughs> do you know? I do feel bad. <laughs> 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 um, no, it, it was a really excellent program. Um, who, what was it? It was um, the Classical Symphony by Prokofiev. Thank you. And then uh, there was a Stravinsky piece in the Fairy's after intermission. Kiss. Yep. Um, 
What was the second? It was the Ravel's piano concerto. Oh, which is beautiful. It was so good. Um, I and had, the I other had never heard that piano concerto before, but the soloist was phenomenal. Um, and for his encore, he played America uh, the Beautiful. And it was it was this. It, you should have seen it. It was this beautiful like ballad ish kind of like very lyric ballad america the beautiful not like slowed down like incessive yeah. i actually heard about it and then found the same pianist had recorded it on video oh. uh, like we previously and so it's like an improvisation that he made up on america the beautiful and, and yeah it like dips into this minor mode after it opens you, you really don't notice that it's america the beautiful yeah. for the first few seconds you don't yeah. is that on youtube uh, yeah, it's on YouTube okay, we or will, Vimeo. We will link to that because it was an absolutely beautiful performance. I, mm-hmm. you, know, you should definitely listen to it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the second movement of that piano concerto. It reminded me of one of those like movie soundtracks where like everything's just like slowly passing by. Yeah. Um, kind of how um, what was it? Shape of Water in those beautiful moments ballads. It just kind of reminded mm-hmm. me of that. They're just like loving story. Yeah. Something along those lines. Well, awesome. Yeah, the concert was really good. That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we got to sit in the left side of the balcony, which had an amazing view of the pianist's hands. Um, and also very close to the stage. I mean, it's remarkable in Music Hall how close you can feel to the music. Mm-hmm. And the acoustics now, especially with the new building, just are absolutely wonderful. Um, you really can hear everything. I mean, I mean, I was shocked when I was sitting there. The basses sound like they were right next to you, and uh, usually that's the thing that you hear last, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's a small group of bassists uh, in the Prokofiev. I think there were four, and it like those little tiny pizzicatos, you know, those really quick moments. I mean, sounded incredible. And yeah, I think the acoustics of the hall really helped that. Well, you've been here a little longer than have than us. Yeah. How how have the changes been? Um, it is a lot more colorful, I think, the sound. Um, before, it used to feel like you were, uh, depending on where you were sitting, it felt like you were maybe in a different room than the orchestra. And I think that's not necessarily true anymore. Um, I think it's more equal wherever you go. And um, I think that's actually also kind of beautiful in terms of uh, the mission of making music more accessible. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like physically improving the space so that no matter what price point your ticket was, you're achieving close to the same experience. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, I work in the box office, and I tell people all the time, you know, there's the, there's the orchestra in the terrace, mm. which is on the first floor, balcony, which is on the second floor, but then there's a gallery, which is the third floor, and they're partial view tickets. You know, you can only see, you know, 25% of the stage is cut off, and so you can only see the other 75%. But what I tell people all the time is, that's honestly where the best sound is. Yeah, you and feel it. You you feel it. And um, I was able to go in there and listen one day and sit in the gallery. And I tell people all the time, you know, if you don't want to spend a lot going to these concerts, get one of those tickets because they really are incredible. And, I mean, it, it goes, yeah, it's a, exactly about accessibility. Everyone has a great seat and everyone can hear um, the music that's being performed. Yes, the music was great. I was more excited about the party afterwards, of though. Of course you were. Let's talk of about it. Of course you were. <laughs> <laughs> so, encore. You put music and drinks together, and you were there. I'm there even without the music. 
It's just the drinks. <laughs> it's just the drinks. <laughs> I'm not an alcoholic, I swear. Um, no, but so Encore had a party. Right. Or like an after meetup at Queen City Radio, which is becoming my one of my favorite bars in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, and it was so much fun. I had a blast. I always have a blast there. And I have a blast with Encore all the time. Um, yeah, they let in people for free. However, there was an option to uh, pay to get like champagne. A free ticket. Free, free uh, drink tickets. And then food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people that were there were wonderful. Um, a lot of young professionals, which is very, uh, very uh, uplifting. Yeah, because you know. you're always like in an audience full of old white people. Yeah. Yeah, and I imagine this was a particularly youthful audience in Especially terms with of Valentine's Day. Yeah, right. And the program was sort of designed to be like a uh, like a messed up Valentine, right? With yeah. the with the fairy's the kiss. The fairy's kiss, which is, you know, more of uh, not mortal but fatal and uh Ravella Vols, which is, you know, a waltz we think of being like this Disney like love dance, but Ravel's waltz is like kind of flips it on its head yeah while still being in a waltz form, it's about your world falling apart yeah. really the classical symphony is completely humorous where it's just like mm-hmm. let's completely switch things up in Absolutely. the middle of nothing and yeah. i was like yes it's like that quirky romance mm-hmm. i have those <laughs> all the time but <laughs> i believe it <laughs> but yeah um we definitely suggest uh checking out encore um you are a part of encore aren't you yeah i'm a co-chair of encore oh, okay. so i didn't plan this specific event but uh we work together to um uh, put these out there and uh, i think we're going to add some other programming too as we go on in this season and in the future in terms of um free educational kind of things where people can come and learn a little bit more about uh, what's behind the music and what, what it takes to put on concerts and what's inside the hall. Um, yeah, but the goal is just to sort of open the door for anyone who wants to come in. Well, that's great. And especially for the young professionals listening, you know, make sure to check out Encore because I know, Carlos, you're a, a member. I am a part. I go um, to everything. I, I try to if I'm available, um, but I definitely want to go to more now that I've gone to one. Yeah, I think what there's one more event with West Side Story. Yeah, there's one more big event. And um, that's West Side Story in April. Ooh, I want to say the 27th. We'll, we'll, link, we'll link to it down below. We'll put yeah, a date we'll or figure something. that out. <laughs> we are kind of changing our format of the podcast. We have been talking a lot about what we see, uh, what we think, which is great. And um, definitely. People like hearing us talk, I guess. Maybe not. I'm I don't not know sure. why. I'm not funny. <laughs> um, but uh, really we not. think that um, <laughs> because because we have this platform and because we are uh, in, uh, hopefully going to be in administrative roles at some point in time, um, we want to talk about stuff that is prevalent in our community. We want to talk about uh, issues that we see, things that we can tackle, and stuff for you to be aware about. Um, so... Carlos. Okay, so this topic is my personal mission. My personal mission, whenever someone asks me, like, what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know, but I want to do cultural equity in the arts. And, like, that's my mission. And you know how, like, arts organizations always have missions? Like, that's mine. Okay, and and can you describe exactly what cultural equity is? Sure, cultural equity, um, along with um, what, like, other organizations, like the National association of orchestras and every blah 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 like anyone who writes about these things calls mm-hmm. it like diversity equity and inclusion they usually abbreviated dei um 
but I like to say dice. It's like diversity, inclusion, and cultural equity. Just because usually when people mention these things, they have they're like, "What is diversity?" Like, does it mean like having more women? Does it mean just like having different things? And I'm like, no, I w- I want to specifically talk about cultural equity in the terms that like anyone from whatever culture or whatever um, ethnicity is equal representative in the whatever in music for every music for me, um, but like in anything. Yeah, it's not just like equity. I mean, it could be equity for, but I specifically want culture, just because I, I wanted to understand like we do come from different cultures. Um, my biggest example is like at Sphinx. So we'll talk about Sphinx organization soon because I was just at a conference two mm-hmm. weeks ago. Yeah, oh, wow, that wow, seems so a long. long time ago. I know, um, but it was really funny because we would we would be discussing these giants topic about how to be more inclusive and etc. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the at the opening reception and the close they, we would be playing like music like music you would find at clubs yeah um that like represent my my community is always like latin music or like music etc and i was and someone was like can you just imagine like all these classic musicians like dancing and i was like yeah but this is like our culture like not only do we have to do this bicultural thing that we have to do classical music but we also have to live in our like in our specific ethnic culture where we yeah. have to like understand how to dance as well just because that's part of our life and that's part of our family. Um, so that's what I really mean by that. Yeah, and um, you went to the Sphinx Conference, which talked a lot about the issues, especially in arts-related um, fields. So what were you able to talk about there? Um, there was a lot. Um, so Sphinx Organization really started in Michigan, where um, Aaron Dworkin, who was the founder, really was like the only black person in anything which is still, like, common throughout the nation. Yeah. Um, so with that, at Michigan, he was like, let's set up a group. So he found people in the city and, like, got a, something started, like a cute little ensemble, string ensemble. And ever since then, it's just been growing and growing. And now they host programs, work with Detroit area city, work with other organizations, um, and now they hold a conference. I don't know how how many years they've had the conference i don't remember now um but they bring in these huge people like um oh my god like chamber music america choir america and like people who lead these giants organizations who like are working in this in this process to like how do we get underrepresented cultures involved you know the larger organizations that are really kind of uh spearheading trying to get uh more diversity in the arts um trying to be um, impactful for organizations that are smaller than them. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's not like this problem has one solution. Like, it's not... It's still like, it's still a huge problem because it, since it's not... Um, since it doesn't have one solution, it can't be easily solved. It has to be, like, maybe case by case. Um, of course. But I, I, we were... I was very adamant that just, like, discussing these issues and realizing that it is an issue, especially for, like, longevity... Um, that it needed to be discussed. Yeah, and um, you wrote down a couple of topics that you guys were able to talk about there, um, one of which was the audience. And I know from experience going to, you know, whether it be theater, whether it be orchestras, you see very similar audiences across the board, um, which is normally old and white. Um, and rich. And rich. Let's not forget that. Yes. <laughs> let us let, let's not forget that. And I think that I I wasn't fully aware of it until 
I went to Oberlin, and that was a major topic that we used to talk about. I was gonna. I was hoping you'd say until you met me, and I was like, yeah, yeah I'll open well, up your world. Well, <laughs> no, no, it 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 helped. It helped when I when we became friends because you even brought it further. Um, and you know, what what were you guys able to talk about, especially with audiences at Sphinx? Um, well, the thing with that is that no one, no one. There is a lot of uh, since it's uh, there's a lot of sessions and not enough time and they're all like one hour. There's just not enough time to really discuss everything. Yeah. At Sphinx, um, uh, to me it's it was more um, like what can organizations do and it, it was very music involved. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I found interesting is that at Sphinx, well, they gave a lot of ideas and they're all wonderful, really, um, about how to like change. And how to be more inclusive. There's and it was always very mus music centered. Like, if you are a musician of color and like how to succeed, but then there was never a discussion as like how to succeed, as it, like it's still involved in the arts. So like for me as an arts administrator, there was only one time where like that question was involved. That like no one mentioned that like you can change that as an arts administrator instead of like you can change that as a musician. Yeah. But no one mentioned arts administration as a possible and viable career path for them. Yeah, mm. that didn't answer the question. But <laughs> were there any topics that you uh, were able to uh, have a little bit of a deeper dive into? Yeah, well, something I wanted to discuss here actually was that someone brought up the question of um, like, what if you are in the middle of nowhere and you, like the community of the city is just like literally all white? Do you still have to work? on presenting women and people of color in your in your artwork in your organization yeah for sure and i was like yeah felipe is on board felipe yeah. is on board well okay let's just because representing yeah, no, for sure i i think it would probably be futile like if you have a community that is homogenous like what can you do to change the demographics of your audience but what you can do is uh, include diversity in your programming, in your messaging, and expand the awareness of that homogenous community. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I mean, there was also lots of discussions uh, as to like where do we start. So, like one of the main reasons I, I asked Felipe to be Felipe to be here is that like he works with young kids, something that I have no mm -hmm. experience about. And there's always that discussion. It's like, how early do you start? Like, how early do you start teaching these kids? Um, yeah, it's not just a problem for the people that are going to be going to the orchestra for the first time when they're in their 20s. It's the education that brings them up in a environment that is inclusive to not just old or dead white composers. Um, you know, how do you change the educational experience to be more inclusive? I think... In the world of education, this has been a focus for many years at this point. Uh, the general music curriculum, beginning all the way in like preschool, kindergarten, does have a focus in this country on world musics of different cultures um, and uh, tremendous amounts of discussion and, and uh, training is available in authenticity of presentation in those world cultures. Mm -hmm. So not like using them necessarily to teach you know, Western European concepts, but actually learning a piece of music from a different culture in the way that that culture would have learned it and executed it. That is happening. And, and I wonder if that is also 
part of the problem that you know we are teaching and exposing kids to that and they develop an appreciation for what they view as you know folk and popular music but then they don't see that reflected back to them in the formal arts right yeah interesting and yeah. so maybe that's a reaction that 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 is missing definitely there is a <coughs> so, so there's no follow up basically right there maybe there isn't follow up as we go higher and higher up the chain. And I mean, that, that kind of education also sorts, starts to drop off after middle school maybe. There are much fewer general music programs at the high school level, yeah. and the focuses there are primarily on performing in choir, band, or orchestra. And so then it becomes the responsibility of those ensembles, those conductors, to practice inclusiveness and cultural uh, responsiveness and cultural equity. Yeah, and then there's the discussion of like, is are instruments accessible enough, especially in places where like mm. low-income families live? Yeah, and then the discussion of like performance excellency, as to like you have to perform at such a high level to even succeed as a performer, but you have to su- you have to be performing level of succeeding in like a specific type of music. Mm. That is very true. Um, I know that uh, w- when you go through a uh, I mean, you had the same experience going through a uh, undergrad that was performance based. Yeah, you where en- you end up performing the same music over and over again, and especially from the same era, um, with the same uh, focus. You know, how do I make this perfect? Well, and I mean, I had a little different because I was already a rebel in, in college. Well, I mean, that's true. <laughs> I, I was like, I told my professor, I'm doing a recital of all Latin American music, and you can't stop me. Which is good. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I didn't say those that. words, but that's basically what I implied. And I was like, I want this music to be out there. Like I'm of Latin American, I am Mexican. Like yeah. I, I can't imagine why I can't do this. Like this is the music that from my country, and not all of it was Mexican posters. But yeah. I was like, this is music from people like my people, and I never see it. Like the an orchestra, at least the only time I ever played a performance by a Mexican composer was Dance On Number Two. Yeah, and I think besides over that, <laughs> over it, yeah, because uh, it's. I mean, it is overdone. Because I mean, it's a fun piece. It Love is super fun. Super fun. But there are more pieces by lots of yeah. many people, and I was discussing this with um, someone else. I think it was at Multicultural Awareness Council, where I told them that in Mexico, Mexican orchestras live and people attend to them and it's a huge fun yeah and i don't understand why like like if it's a part of culture in mexico i don't understand why it can't be a part culture here of mexicans who come or like any latin american people i think i've seen the same thing be true in south america in terms of argentina and chile they have thriving orchestra systems but they also have major focus on performing the music of their countries yeah yeah and we don't necessarily do that here, um, partially because I think we relegate like Americana and like patriotic music to specific holidays and times. And pops. And pops, right? Not it's not classical, really, as as we have established it. And then beyond, on top of that, our country is diverse, and so sure. it's such it's so odd, right? Right. It's so hard too to hit every every type of person in this country and represent them through music. Um, but it's not that hard. Well, that's, that's a discussion where we can segue into like programming a season. 
So like yeah. this this month and the next upcoming month, you'll see a lot of people and lots of organizations announce their program for the next year. Yes. And we've been seeing these huge organizations that have been leading the art form of opera and symphony orchestras and chamber that are just programming consistently just all white composers. Oh, all white male composers, let me yeah. clarify. Yeah. And you're you're just left wondering, like why? Like why at this point where like the discussions have been so heavily focused, are we still programming all white male composers? I think I can give an answer as to like what I believe their thinking is. And I think that this is something we also discussed in class, is that when you look at who is attending and what they believe they have to do to survive, they're programming pretty much, it's not just the same composers, but it's normally the same pieces. You know, we, we look at stuff like, you know, pictures at an exhibition. We look at uh, pieces that are played over and over and over again, and they are known that if you program it, people will come. You know, build it and they will come. And I think that that is both a great asset to the organization because they know that they can survive and they can thrive. But well, I don't know about thriving, well, but well, they're well, at least thrive. surviving. Well, well, surviving. But at least for those concerts, they're doing well. And I think that what all of us think is, yeah, sure, program those pieces. But at the same time, I don't think it's enough to just keep doing everything the exact same way, especially when it's not inclusive. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you're looking at uh, your program and you don't see any women on it, I lose a little bit of respect for that because wh- where, where is that? It's not, it's, not, um, it's not representative of the music that is being written. If you look at uh, different genres of music, you know, it, it's not just about playing those old classical music mm. and the fact that we have to separate classical music and pops and pops I'd argue is more diverse than what we consider classical. I think that's true. Yeah. So when we, when we look at w- at least s- programming classical concerts, I think that there's this tendency to think classical. Oh, that's going to be Shostakovich. That's going to be, Verdi. Bach, Verdi, all Mozart, all these things that, great, they're great staples of our art form. And, you know, but, but it's, it's, it's not enough. I'd love to see, I'd love to see different cultures, yeah, well, composers th- actually a, represented. I agree with that. There's just so much implications when you do, like, all white male programs where, like, you're implying that one, like, woman can't compose. You're implying that like people of color can't compose, and then when you don't, or also that they haven't, or, or that, that they, they haven't. haven't. I think that honestly, <clears throat> I agree with you, but really, that they haven't is yeah. the biggest issue, because your especially larger organizations, if you are programming pieces that are only dead white guys or new younger white guys, it is it is kind of suggesting this is what we have. No, no. Go to any music catalog. You will find incredible pieces mm-hmm. that are not written by white men. And to program just that excludes everyone that could be interested in a concert that is not just that. 
But what I was, le- yes, what I was leaning to is that, like, those implications that, like, people have or haven't written or, like, not represented, then it just continues the the absence yeah. of feeling validated and feeling represented. So, like, it wasn't until Marquez where I was like, oh, like, I could have been a composer. Like, yeah. there's someone else that did it. Yeah. Right. And if I, it's not visible, then other people who identify with that p- composer are not going to identify as a composer, right? Or as a musician. Yeah. If you believe that there are no black composers, no Hispanic composers, no women composers, et cetera, then why would you become that? And, and guess what? If you don't do it, they're going to think that the organization does not represent you. Right. So when you are going into your marketing saying we're you know, you know, trying to get uh, a more diverse audience, it starts with your programming. Yeah. Because you know it, it, it just it, it to say that people are just going to come for the music is false. You look at the examples that you said before. You know, uh, Latin American uh, orchestras are playing music that is their music, mm-hmm. and guess what? People <coughs> go, and it's because they are being represented. Yeah, and then you look at these giant uh, houses, and you're like, they're not selling out. They, like I have never heard of let's like my home orchestra Chicago Symphony ever selling out. Yeah. Mm. Like I I would always go even if I didn't have a ticket and I just like wait the last fifteen minutes. It's like no, there's plenty of seats. Yeah. And I was like, great. I mean, great for me because I get to see a lot of <laughs> music, but <laughs> also like you're not selling out. Yeah. And I I think a lot of the problem is that like they are afraid. Like it's a, it's a financial sometimes problem that like you can't afford to like lose people for programming these things. But it also it's a huge like I like to call it like a long haul solution, where like you're continuously involving pe- underrepresented people, and like yeah it starts out slow but like once we understand that like you're you're working at it you're working on like having my community be represented and like that's not to say that like I'm not gonna I'm gonna spread it to like my whole familia and like my family is gonna be like oh my god yes Latin American composer like oh my god yes Latin American musician. Like, it's a huge thing. And then, like, we spread our, like, words a lot. Like, there's a lot of um, cheesemake gossip, at least in Latin America. <laughs> and you're just like, well, we'll, like, spread the word out that you're working at it. And yeah. we'll come in huge portions. And I, so when it, when it comes, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no. Uh, so I was going to say um, that aside from including those people in your programming, I think, like, a, a worthy first step to getting to this place where there is representation and people are excited about it is to talk about other communities you know go ahead and use the the blockbusters the thing that's going to fill your seats if you need to right if you need that financial stability go ahead but use the music as a vehicle to talk about underrepresented ideas and cultures and speaking of action, um, we want to end with um, really talking about what we see, at least in Cincinnati, that is at least a good first step, like you said. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that you both have met um, the uh, fellows that are studying for their masters at CCM that are also able to perform at the CSO. Do you guys want to talk about that really quickly? Yeah, it's uh, called the Diversity Fellowship between the College Conservatory of Music and the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra. Um, and so a handful of graduate 
string performers are uh, selected via audition to hold seats in the orchestra. Um, and so they are essentially members of the symphony, just like the professionals. Um, and they play a certain number of services for the year and participate in all kinds of mentorship and training. Um, and the whole point is to open that door to make it you know, easy for them to access that knowledge that maybe wouldn't have been possible. It's not proven if it works or not because it's so not new. Yet. But it, yeah, it is a very new uh, conversation that they're having, especially with colleges who I would almost say are probably more diverse than the orchestras themselves. Yeah, there was a huge conversation piece about um, people of color like having to go to the like huge conservatories like Eastman or Juilliard mm-hmm. or blah, blah, blah. And you're left wondering like, if they don't make it to that program, do they, like, will they ever make it? Yeah. Um, and one of the, uh, you know, we, we've talked about it, the Sphinx Conference is a huge resource. Um, we will definitely link to information about them in the description. Um, any final words on the Sphinx Conference? Um, it's held once a year, usually in early February. Um, they, they, they're based in Michigan, so if you're near Michigan, uh, you should check them out. They're great. I love them. I love what the work they're doing, um, and they're continuously seeking to improve in their mission as well. Awesome. I'm sure we'll have this conversation yet again. No, of course. It's um, ongoing. It's one of the biggest issues, honestly, in our field right now. Yeah. And, like, being queer and Latino for me is, like, my biggest passion project. Your life is your passion project. My life is my passion project. My mission is my life. My life is my mission. <laughs> Where's that from? I don't know. I just made it up. I, I really like it. <laughs> I was telling someone that like I sometimes feel like I'm always presenting. Oh, that's, that's one okay. of the things I wanted to discuss. Like brief, brief, like mid rant. The like being like underrepresented is like just an added stress because then you're just wondering like, oh, I can't be too queer or I can't be too Hispanic. Because, like, you think about these things and you're like, oh, like, that just adds on to mm. being stressed out, which is, uh, like, part of the reasons why it's so hard. I mean, for me as a bassoon player, I was the only bassoon player, so I had, like, a lot of, like, being okay, being different, because, like, no one cares about the bassoon. <laughs> you're just, like, <laughs> <laughs> you're just the only one there. So, like, I think that was really helpful. I don't know about you who also played bassoon, but, like, it was really helpful for me to be a bassoonist because it was, like, I was already separated. I was the only queer person sometimes, and I was the only, like, brown person so it was just like great like i'll take on those three things and like say my words yeah we'll definitely be talking about um diversity in the future um i guarantee this segment will come up again um if you have any suggestions on what we should talk about uh let us know um we'll give you our contact information at the end of the show um but let's go ahead and move on to the schedule yeah So on our schedule this upcoming week is a bunch of music stuff. A lot of stuff. We're starting with Cincy Opera, who's doing this really cute thing that they're called Singers in Spirits. So they have four events. But Wait, the first one... Is that alcohol? <laughs> when are there's I'm there. No, when is there not Absolutely. alcohol at these yeah, events? True. true. That's how, like, uh, that's really my incentive to get there. So <laughs> Singers in Spirits. Yeah, uh, Singers in Spirits. Uh, the first one is February 21st, starting at 6 p.m., at Frida 602, which is in northern Kentucky. And I haven't been, but seeing Frida made me excited about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the title of it is Tenors and Tequila. Oh, that's dangerous. And I was like, great. I love tenors. I love tequila. What could go wrong for me? <laughs> I feel like you would also love Frida's. I, I it's would. really delicious Mexican food. Oh, Ooh. my God. I'm there. I mean, 
tenors, which are like usually the cutest boys in opera. And then tequila is <laughs> my favorite drink. I'm like there. Anyway, so the tickets are $10. But if you want to go to like all four things, and they're all like alliterative too. So it's like Metzos and Malbec or whatever. Mm-hmm. So cute. Uh, but you can get a package for all four for 30 bucks, So you save 10 bucks. Since the opera is also doing uh, their opera wrap, which is their 2018 season preview uh, for their summer concerts. Um, and their performances, and that's going to be on Thursday, February 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, it's going to be at Music Hall. It is a free event. However, you do need to call the box office to get tickets. Um, so we will link down to the... Dis- uh Are they rapping? No, I don't know why they called it that. I want them to rap. I feel like it should be opera rep, but mm. I don't know. Mm. Did you maybe opera like misspell rap? it? No, no, I've no. It's definitely opera rap. <laughs> I have no insights for this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what you got? Okay, so uh, the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra is uh, performing on the 23rd of February at 11 a.m. and on the 24th uh, at 8 p.m. And the program is all Strauss. They're oh, calling it yes. The Night of the Rose, which is an allusion to Der Rosenkavalier, the opera. Um, it'll be at Music Hall, and you can find tickets for 15 bucks if you're a student, or if you've never, ever, ever been to a symphony concert, you can pick up $10 tickets. You can also just lie to them and be like, it's my first time ever. No, no, no. <laughs> I work at the box office. I'll call you out. They check your email. Yeah, they do check your email. What if you give them another email? I mean, sure. I mean, that is it. the beauty of the internet, but that isn't endorsed. That is not endorsed. <laughs> we do not promote that. <laughs> I just like to think around the boxes. Um, the Multicultural <laughs> Awareness Council is having a meetup at Symphony Hotel and Restaurant at 5 p.m. on Sunday, right before a concert at Symphony. Very exciting. It's free admission, and I'll be there so you can meet me. I'll probably be wearing a red jacket because it's the Cincy Pops. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a cash bar, so, so exciting. Um, concert Nova is doing their late night on February 22nd, starting at 9 p.m. Uh, it's going to be at the Skeleton Route. Um, it is free for those under 35 young professionals. Come on. Please go. It's free. Um, however, there is a $15 general wine bar. I just, I'm fascinated by the term wine bar. Oh, no. It's a wine bar, but if you're not over under 35, if it's 15 bucks. Oh, so it's, fr- it's free if you're, really? Yeah. I'm there. Done. You sold me. I mean, I. Moving on. <laughs> Our last concert is with Felipe. Yeah, uh, my orchestras, both of them actually, the Cincinnati Symphony Youth Orchestra, Concert Orchestra, and the Louisville Youth Orchestra Rep Orchestra are uh, performing together at the Northern Kentucky University Greaves Hall. Um, And it should be a really fabulous program. It's actually all about uh, freedom and the freedom to express your identity. Yes. Um, Whatever that may be. And it does happen to have mostly white people music, but the grand finale is a living Hispanic composer. Look at you go. Yes. That's amazing. Also, he's conducting. So I am conducting. Look True. at him. I'm so successful. What a star. <laughs> what a role model. Uh, it's going to feature a violinist named Catherine Guo. She's amazing, like 10th grade. Ridiculous. Um, but she's playing the... Bruch Violin Concerto First Movement. It'll be gorgeous and sad, and you should be there. It's going to be 10 bucks for adults, $5 for students. Hope you can join. Literally 5 bucks. That's like Nothing. a tequila shot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Okay, so uh, make sure to catch us next uh, our, during our next next episode. Um, we are going to have another guest host. Um, we're going to be talking about museums, which, to be honest, I don't know a lot. It's I can't speak our, for Carlos. It's field, so we'll be asking lots of questions. Oh yeah, lots of questions. Um, you can see more um, from me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at Manage the Arts. You can catch more of me on Instagram at cgarcia.leon or Twitter at cgarcia underscore leon. Felipe, do you have anything that they, people can get in contact with you? Uh, sure. It's F Morales Torres. Anywhere. Awesome. And <laughs> all relevant social media. In all relevant <laughs> social media. You can I also am catch the only. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can also catch the Artfuls um, now on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Artfuls Podcast. Or send us an email at artfulspodcast at gmail.com. And we have a new and improved website. Woohoo! Uh, it is artfulspodcast.wixsite.com forward slash Artfuls. Um, you can catch uh, Carmen Lawrence's Artful Thought on Be Here Now. You can also find the updated podcasts. Also, subscribe, and we will send you emails on when those things are posted. Yeah, and thank you so much for listening. Yeah, Felipe, you want to say our last thing? Oh, have an artful day. Yeah.